Today on Living Truth Radio, Pastor Michael Lance continues his five-part series in Genesis 49 entitled Jacob's Prophecy. Today, Jacob prophesies to his sons Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Genesis 49 tonight, as we look at Jacob's prophecy, as we move through the book of Genesis, and Reuben defiled uh, his father's bed. He went up, he did the wrong thing, uh, Wenham, Wenham, who's a, one of the commentators on the book of Genesis, says, um, he says, There's, uh, this is one of the fiercest denunciations in the book of Genesis. Would you note the word uncontrolled? <clears throat> Genesis, uh, excuse me, Galatians 5.23 says, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. A person who is dominated by the Spirit, and when we went through the book of Titus on Sundays, we've been talking about godliness can be defined as a God-centered or God-dominated life. When your life is not dominated by the Spirit, you start doing things that are out of bounds. Uh, You lack self-control. Look, if you lack self-control tonight, it's because the Spirit's not dominating your life. That's just the bottom line. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's just it. Now, it takes a while for some things to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We all would acknowledge that tonight. But for Reuben, he made this dumb decision. Uh, it seems like it was in a moment of lust or whatever, whatever was behind it, but <clears throat> it defiled Jacob says, you went up to my couch, you defiled my bed, you slept with a woman that belonged to me, you committed adultery. And so here's the truth of the matter, folks, and I know you all know this, but I'm gonna remind you because I'm in the reminding business. You never sin in a vacuum. I wanna take you back to the, the beginning of the book of Genesis, God said to Adam and Eve, you can have of all these trees of the garden, there's only one tree I don't want you to mess with. What did they do? They messed with the tree. In Genesis 3, when God clothed them, remember they tried to use fig leaves to cover themselves, and fig leaves are not great covering, especially on a windy day, (laughs) right? So God, God killed some animals, that's what seems to be the case, and he clothed them. Can you imagine the horror of Adam and Eve? They had, to my knowledge of what was happening in the world at that time, they did not know death. Now animals had to die because of their sin. Uh, Their sons, Cain and Abel, what happened? Cain ends up killing Abel. And death now becomes commonplace for mankind. There's a flaming sword that rotating in every direction keeps them from the tree of life and they go out. And do you know, Adam lived over 900 years and from what I can see in scripture, he never saw the face of God again. He was barred from the garden. He used to walk with God in the cool of the day. It would appear at sunset or sometime like that. God would meet them and he would walk with Adam and Eve and they saw his face and they took things for granted as we often can. And once they were barred from the garden, can you imagine living 900 plus years? Adam got to see God's face. There was no sin, no curse, no shame. 
But once sin came in and the serpent said, oh, you're not going to die. Everything will be fine. Oh, yeah. And the whole human race was plunged into a condition of sin and death. And this is why we die. The sin of Adam and Eve, the fall of Adam and Eve has rippled out. Think of sin's consequences. Rippled out to how many lives? You, those of you who are mathematicians, just think about the projections. Not just human life, but animal life. Think about the implications of one decision. Now, the good news of the gospel is, look, we've all sinned, amen? I know you don't want to say amen to we've all sinned, right? You want to say something better than that. But amen just means, yeah, we agree, right? So you can even amen things that hurt, you can say it with a little pain, but I feel you. Look, we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus took our shame and punishment at the cross. It interests me that when um, Jesus was dying on the cross, there's a lot of scholars that believe he was naked on the cross, and Adam and Eve uh, first experienced shame and realize their nakedness after the fall. And Jesus is dying on the cross and uh, he despised the shame, the Bible says. He despised it, but he did it for the joy that was set before him. A decision, one decision. 10 minutes of your life and all of a sudden things change. I tell People, and I've been saying this for 30 years now, a covenant with a person is sacred. If you are single, hold yourself pure until you're married. And if you are married, stay true to your spouse. Because the intimacy in your relationship is much bigger than a physical act it goes much, much deeper than a physical act. In fact, your covenant with your spouse uh, in, in many ways is sealed in the intimacy in marriage and it is something that God considers sacred and the marriage bed is not to be defiled. And Reuben did it and there were consequences. In fact, Reuben lost the place of the firstborn. Now, we're going to sprinkle this message with grace because we, we are people of the cross. We're forgiven people. Sunday came. The resurrection happened. But look, the Bible is here for our instruction. And Reuben blew it, and he lost his place. Sin has consequences. It's just the bottom line. You know, the Reubenites, as you track them as a tribe, and remember the 12 sons of Jacob become the 12 tribes of Israel, but the Reubenites were not a very prominent tribe. There's really no uh, big famous figures that come from the tribe of Reuben. They kind of depleted in numbers as the Bible unfolds. If you want to write these down, 1 Chronicles 26, 31 and 32, 2 Kings 10, 32 through 34, uh, all say the same thing. Reuben began to just dwindle in numbers. And Ecclesiastes 8, 11, and 12 says these words. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. 
Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. Ecclesiastes 8, 11, and 12. Look, when Reuben did this, there seems to be no, there was no immediate consequences. In fact, the Bible says, if you go back and read this account, and I'm not gonna reteach it, but it says that Jacob heard of it. He heard what he did, but there doesn't seem to be any direct rebuke in the moment. And Reuben may have been thinking, well, I got away with it. A lot of people, when they sin, they they sin against God and there's no immediate consequence. They don't get immediate like consequences the next day. And so they think, oh, it's fine. But the consequences came and they came for Reuben, sadly, at his dad's deathbed. When dad said, you were my pride and my joy, but you lost the place of preeminence. Simeon and Levi, also sons uh, from Leah through Jacob, notice in verse five, are now addressed. Simeon and Levi are brothers as Jacob continues now his prophecy. And I would imagine that Reuben was disheartened and probably not surprised. Maybe deep down he knew this day was coming. But Simeon and Levi are now addressed next, and this is, um, the birth order is unfolding here from Leah. Simeon means God hears, and Levi, uh, I'll have that in front of me in a second. But anyway, Simeon and Levi are brothers. You know, you might look at that and say, duh. (laughs) We know they're brothers. But brothers here has the sense of not that they're brothers like by blood, but they're brothers in their activities and decision making. And when you call somebody a brother and they're not your family member, what you're saying is, man, this person's my bro. We hang, we enjoy the same things, we're brothers. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that bad company corrupts good morals. So you gotta be careful who you choose as brothers. You know what I'm saying, brother? And your sisters, too. Thank you, sisters. I always do this from a guy's perspective. I'm so sorry. They were brothers. And their swords are implements, would you notice, of violence. Now, Reuben's problem was a lack of self-control in the sexual area. Simeon and Levi's problem was violence. And we get a little bit more in verse 6. Jacob, speaking to these boys, says, "'Let my soul not enter into their counsel.'" Let not my glory be united with their assembly. They may have been thinking after Reuben got the boot, hey, maybe we'll get the firstborn spot. No, you're not. Because in their anger, look at the middle of verse six, they slew men, and in their what? Self-will, says the New American Standard, they lamed or hamstrung oxen. And when you read on this a little bit, we're not sure if this is literal or metaphorical, but... We know what happened. Um, Their sister was raped, and uh, they went to Shechemite territory and killed everybody. And they did it under a ruse. Uh, the, The young man who raped their sister said, hey, I love her. 
So they went and the fathers met and basically under a ruse, these two brothers decided that they would tell, you know, the, the father said, hey, let's intermarry, let's get along, we'll, we'll sign a contract. You can marry our women and vice versa. And the two sons said, oh, sure. There's only one problem, you guys aren't circumcised. So if your whole city gets circumcised, then we'll be cool with the whole marriage and intermarrying thing. And so they met, they had a little powwow, you know, in the city, and they said, what did you guys think? Well, yeah, I guess it sounds like a pretty good idea. So all the men of the city got circumcised. I'm sure there was a little debate that day, but they all got circumcised. It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the donate button, for any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. And when they were in the process of trying to heal, remember they didn't have Advil back in the day. (laughs) The brothers came into the city with the men uh, not in fighting condition. And they slew everybody, killed everybody. Did a snatch and grab of their sister. And Jacob said to them, why did you do this? You have dishonored my name. Why have you been violent like this? And the, the brother said, well, well what, what were we going to do? Are you going to just allow her, paraphrase, to allow her to be raped by these men? And they killed everybody. Everybody. Anger. You know, if you start looking at what's happening here on the deathbed of Jacob, we can find some very common sins. They're all in viceless in the New Testament. You can write down Galatians 5, 22 and 23 for the fruits of the Spirit, but a little bit before that are the fruits of the flesh. We like to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And we love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But have you ever read the fruit of the flesh list? Oh, it's ugly. (laughs) Ugly. And you know that a lot of it is about divisions and dissensions among people, factions and divisions and fighting and all of that stuff. A lot of that is the fruit of the flesh. But there's also the idea of anger. Uh, James says, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Look, there's such a thing as righteous anger, and I think that the brothers had every right to be righteously angry But to go and wipe out everybody in the village? I don't know. The perpetrator should have been dealt with. But look, if they're going to apply the same justice, then shouldn't they have killed Reuben? Shouldn't they have applied the same kind of justice to their own actions? But they went and did this, and in the moment, maybe it seemed like a righteous thing to do. We're going to pay back these these guys, look at um, verse six again. In their self-will, they hamstrung oxen. Back in the day, and this is why this could be metaphorical, what they would do is if they wanted to deal with uh, uh, an enemy, they would cut, 
cut the hamstrings of the horses, and then the armies could not travel. So when we say, I feel hamstrung in life, that means like, I don't feel like I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. That's what they would do in ancient times. They would just cut the, the hamstring of the animal and, and you know, just make it lame. And so here's what Jacob says to these two. Cursed be their anger, verse seven, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. See, they weren't just angry and, and dealing with the perpetrator. It became fierce, it became wrath, it became cruel. And he says, I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. You know, anger, uh, some of the Greek words for anger have the idea of that which, is, which boils over. I'm an Italian, you guys know, I enjoy cooking my pasta. And sometimes if you put too much water in a pan and you let it boil unattended, it will boil over the top of the pan. And it, have you ever tried to clean up your stove after boiling water went onto your stove? It's such a pain. It makes a mess of everything. Their anger got to a place where it boiled over and it killed a bunch of people, a bunch of lives were impacted, and they are scattered in Israel. You say, well, who are these two tribes again, Pastor Michael? We'll look back, Simeon and Levi. Um, not a whole lot about Simeon, uh, but Levi, here's, here's a blessing out of a curse, if you want to put it that way. Levi becomes very prominent in the life of Israel, and here's, here's how it worked. Levi, even though they had no portion, no land portion or inheritance, their portion was the Lord. And Levi became the Levitical line from which we get the priests. And Aaron was from the tribe of Levi, coming from Amram and Yoshebed. Moses was from Levi. And so even though uh, Levi blew it and all of that, um, you can write down Deuteronomy 18, 1 and 2 for um, the Lord is their portion. Um, John the Baptist was from the tribe of Levi, and he became the forerunner of the Messiah. So sometimes we, we may have a history where we did something, our, our anger and maybe even associated violence made a mess of things. I'm sure nobody in the room wants to raise their hand to this one, but if you've ever had out of control anger, you know what a mess it can make. I'll make a confession. Some years ago, uh, when I was first starting to do, I used to do all my sermons handwritten. Can you believe it? Some of you guys still do this, but I would write out the scriptures right out of my Bible, right? And then computers came along. So I first started working on a computer and we had a little office in a, a former house where uh, Brenda and I lived. And um, Brenda was saying, okay, now when you're working on a document, you need to save your work as you're going. And I was like, I was like why do you gotta save it as you're going? I'll just save it when I'm done. <laughs> Famous words from your wife, trust me, Save your work as you're going. So I spent all day, I was preparing a, a talk on a couple of cults and it was gonna happen that evening and I was, you know, hours and hours and hours of preparation and I'm typing this thing up, buttoning up the last little bit of it and all of a sudden, the power in the house went out. 
my computer screen went blank. And I began to yell down the hallway, Brenda, am I saved? Brenda, am I saved? And I heard back down the hallway, I hope so, you're a pastor. And I said, no, the document. Is the document saved? And she said, did you do what I told you to do and save it as you were working? <laughs> and I went, no, I did not. You think it's still there? So anyway, the power came back on. I lost like three quarters of my work. So I went into the garage. Pastor Michael. Oh, I didn't just scream. I threw some things around. <laughs> the devil, I know the devil did power in that. Right? It was all my fault. I should have just saved my work, right? Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I'm glad there's no film, film footage of it. All God's people said, yep. <laughs> all right. Now, we're not going to get through all of these prophecies. So what I'm going to do is we're going to end with Judah. Judah will be addressed next. But I want you to keep in mind that even though this happened with Levi and anger was at the root of it, the Levitical line became really the priest that ministered to God and you know, did the sacrifices, a very prominent role. So it doesn't mean that if you've blown it in this way, God can't still use you and use you in a very holy calling. Verse eight, Judah, now Judah is addressed and uh, he, we're down now to the fourth child from Leah. So, you know, Judah has to be thinking, man, this hasn't gone well for the first three. <laughs> you know, <laughs> could you call somebody else up? And notice what happens. Judah, your brothers shall, what? They'll praise you. Judah's name, this is a play on word, words in Hebrew because Judah's name means praise. And so your brothers will praise you. You might say, well, I, I thought we're not supposed to praise men, we're supposed to praise God. Yeah, but in this sense, it's your brothers will bow down to you like they bow down to kings, like the, the brothers uh, bow down to Joseph, Judah. Your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. You're gonna have a lot of victories. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Other members here in the tribes, their offspring are going to bow down to Judah. All of a sudden, Judah comes up and he gets a blessing. You say, well, that must mean that Judah was a really good guy, right? Well, no, Judah had his moment. Judah... Uh, had his own blunder. He got Tamar, his daughter-in-law, pregnant. Do you remember this story? It wasn't that long ago that we dealt with this one. Um, husbands were dying off. Uh, his sons were dying off. And so he was supposed to do the, what's called the Leverite Law. And um, he was losing sons quickly. So they didn't follow through with the youngest boy. And so what ended up happening is she, she stayed, you know, without offspring and uh, she dressed as a prostitute. You remember this story? And Judah saw her and he was with her 
and she got impregnated and uh, he gave her a couple of tokens, remember? And then when he heard the news that his daughter-in-law was pregnant, he was gonna have her killed. And then she, you know, before it happened, she says, uh, just, just check out and see who these belong to. And it was like, <laughs> and he said these words in the story. He said, she is more righteous than I. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I think in, in the differences of the, the sons, Judah took ownership of it. He owned it. Do you know that sin and its consequences can be a lot less grave if we'll just own things and get things right and, and, and admit things in the moment? It can be very hard for us to do. And so as Judah goes on and you follow Judah's life, his, his change in ownership of his sin began to manifest itself in ever-growing leadership. It was Judah who pleaded before Joseph, the viceroy of Egypt, before he knew it was Joseph, for Benjamin's life. In fact, it was Judah who said, I will take his spot, I will be his substitute, a foreshadowing of the gospel. Christ the righteous one died on our behalf. He became our substitute. In the term of charge, was that more of a warning or more of a stern instruction in that he left with his sons? I think it can be both. A New Testament charge would be preach the gospel, be found faithful, that kind of thing. So so I think it's a little bit of, of both. I think it, it's an encouragement. It was prophetic. I think there was some encouragement there and blessing, but I think also there's a charge to to live out, to do what mm -hmm. I've asked you to do, even, even regarding his own uh, wishes where he was to be buried and yes. so forth. So think of 2 Timothy chapter 4. The, the most uh, compelling message you would ever want to give someone where you get right to the brass tacks, no beating around the bush, is when you're dying. Yeah, It's, it's your last chapter. It's your last chance to say something. And so it's, it's significant in that respect. And here's what you want to know, Oscar, and this is something that you know, but I'm asking the question to our wider listening audience. This is what you want to know. You want to know that when you depart from this life, you know where you're going, you know why you're going to end up there, and hopefully you've left behind a legacy of faith. You know, Paul said for me to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And then he goes on to say, to depart and be with Christ is far better. For Paul, death was a departure. It was the same thing for Jacob. Jacob was going to go be with the Lord. Jesus said, you're going to sit down. The Gentiles will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, very much alive today. So so the mortal existence, if you will, or the bodily existence is not the end of the story. And I think that's that's part of what we want to say here. So, you know, what I would say to you is make sure you know where you're going. You know, the question was asked in John 14, how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life, and no one's coming to the Father except through me. Wherever you grew up, wherever you started, whatever your religious background is, Jesus is the way. He's the truth, and He's the life. He is the way to the Father. He's the way to heaven. Make sure you know Him. Make sure you've trusted Him as Lord and Savior. Make sure you've asked Him into your life. Make sure that you've said, I believe in your death on the cross and your resurrection. I want to trust in you and you alone for my salvation. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.